Should I do a big Let's Go Beauties or a little one? Well, we're already lost. Hi, little one. What's up, you beauties? Welcome to High and Wide Radio, episode 36, season 5, our pre-draft show special. I'm your host, Jim Michael. I'm joined, as always, by the one and only Jack Smith and boy wonder Travis Ballenhoff. Before we get to our topics, we have some pretty big topics for this show. We have a lot of great guests coming on. Uh, make sure you're watching on YouTube. Uh, we're live. Uh, please be sure to hit that subscribe button and set alerts for future shows. If you're listening as a podcast, make sure to listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to future shows uh, as they become available to you the second we upload them. Find all of our social media links in one place at hoo.be forward slash hwhockey, or just head on over to our site where you can find our most recent articles and our most recent episodes. Not that much going on this weekend in terms of flyers. <laughs> Dude, I mean, what a weekend, right? I got blue balls. For a couple hours on Saturday, we lived. I didn't even care if <laughs> half the stuff we didn't hear was factual or not. It was exhilarating, wasn't it? it, it the juices were flowing for like a solid four or five hours there Saturday afternoon. Yeah, they were. All the Flyers' Twitter was lit up like a Christmas tree. Everyone's coming in with their own you know, uh, spiel or, you know, kind what of they were hearing what's the new <laughs> hashtag now buckle up, right? Everyone's Ooh. saying buckle up, buckle up. I had, I had a great time. There are it people out there who are kind of upset with all, you know, people coming out of the woodworks with, you know, who knows if what, if they're just uh, parroting other people or what I had a great time with with all of it. Cause all, you need all of those people to make flyers, Twitter. You know what I mean? You need the parrots. You need the people who have the genuine information, which, you know, there's probably a handful of those guys. And then you need the people that, you know, get excited for everything. It's just, it's a community on there. Um, so I, I had a great time, but I, I was watching the Phillies game with my dad. And, um, you know, at this point I'm scrolling up and down Twitter, like waiting. And then Strickland comes out and says, ah, D'Angelo might be involved in Lawton and whoever else he said, Sanheim and whoever else. And I said out loud, I said, excuse my language, what the fuck is going on here? And my dad was like, what's going on? It was, it was exciting. I thought we were going to get some crazy stuff going down. And we're still sitting here waiting. Well, I think we all did. And before we really get going here, I got to say, if you've been listening to this show, at least since Travis has been on, you know that he mentioned D'Angelo to Carolina. Multiple times we've talked about it on this show. And you may have also heard him mention, do we, do we talk about this on the show or after? I guess it's kind of out there now, but Winnipeg was kind of sniffing around on Travis Sanheim, right? And all of a sudden, people are, people are coming out with reports that Winnipeg's been sniffing around on Sanheim. Don't be surprised if there's a pivot. Um, was there one more, Drive? Those were the two that come to mind right off the bat. Um, I also heard... Uh, Florida liked Tony and that Buffalo liked Tony and Hayes. Okay. All right. So two of them really came to fruition over the weekend. So I want to give you your props uh, there. And if, you know, if you're listening, give Travis a follow if you're not already, because that's good stuff. Um, I don't think we're as flamboyant with, uh, with some of our information when we get it, you know, as uh, <laughs> I guess if you want to, if that's the right word, you know, some people will come out right on, uh, Twitter and say, oh, we're hearing this. That's not really us. You know, we'll talk about it on the show. 
And if you listen, you know about it. We'll put, we'll put it in an article, uh, and then when it comes out, we'll go, oh, well, we knew about it. We talked about it. Um, if you listen or if you read us, you already knew. Uh, not really our style to come out and say, here and this, or source is that. So, yeah, buckle props up. to Trav. Yeah, buckle up. Yeah, hashtag. So good stuff there. I want to give props to Trav. Now, thank you, sir. let's get to the, the big one. All right, Kevin Hayes was on the move, and rumors came out right away. Like, they kind of just, one thing came out one after another. It was Hayes to St. Louis, and it was Flyers' blue line could look a whole lot different next season. Then it was Krug's coming back, and it just kept growing and growing, and nothing really ever happened. But I want to dissect this piece by piece here. It sounds at the very least, right? We've all listened to 32 Thoughts today. Kevin Hayes is going to be a St. Louis Blue, in the very least. Okay, we don't know what's coming back, um, but I want to know what you guys think. If the trade is, because consensus from what I could find, it's Hayes and Sanheim for Krug and uh, probably a late 2023 first-round pick, the 25 or whatever it is. Um, and that's all I heard concretely. I haven't heard anything else aside from that. I want to hear from you guys what you think of that deal what you think's BS? Did you sift through anything that you didn't think was true? Uh, Jack, let's start with you first. Well, first off, when I heard it was just going to be Sandheim and Hayes, and we were, you know, I wasn't sure about the numbers yet, but the fact that it first was coming back, it was like, okay. And I think that's a lot of the reason why people are so upset. Like, it seemed like we were, it was two birds, one stone, getting out of these contracts and getting another first rounder in this draft. Like, get the F out of here. Like, that's insane. And for it to just never come to fruition, and just now we're looking at less and less. It's the the air's been let out of the balloon, and you can tell. And people are t- taking it out on on Krug, honestly. And I get it. If I have to read one more time, Krug is completely in his rights to use his no movement clause. No shit. Everybody knows that. We're still going to be a little upset because we expected so much, and so far nothing has happened. So. I'm not 100% sure what the return is for just Hayes is going to be. I know we've heard some things, but it's going to be – I don't know how happy we're going to be. I think we're just looking to get rid of it, the contract at this point. Yeah. Trev, similar thoughts? What do you think? Yeah, pretty similar. I mean, I, I was jacked up when that first report came out. Uh, I'm not a big Travis Sanheim fan. I thought we were going to get out of that contract before it even starts, before the new move kicks in. Um, I do like Kevin Hayes. I realize, you know, it's not going to work here. I know he has flaws in his game. Overall, I like him as a player, but it is time to move on. I mean, you're, you're getting rid of both of them, right? Because like Jack said, we know Hayes is out the door. Like that, that is pretty much a certain. You're getting rid of both of them, and you're getting a first-round pick. And Tory Krug, I mean, he's not – I don't think Jim's going to like him because he's absolutely horrific in his own D zone, but he can move the puck a little bit. I. I think the guy has some value. Um, I think we kind of talked about it a couple weeks ago. I personally don't want Cam York on the top pair this year. And I think they were going to keep Tory Krug. I think that was the plan. And he was going to play top pair with Cam York on the second pair. I think that would have been good for York's development. Now, maybe you flip Krug in a year or two when his no trade goes from a full to a modified. And that's completely fine. You're kind of, Maybe at that point, Cam York's ready to take on some more minutes. Um, but going back to the trade, yeah, you're getting a first-round pick and someone who I still think is a quality defenseman in this league who, yes, has flaws. 
I'm laughing at the bank. You're getting rid of two guys who Ke- Kevin Hayes doesn't have a future here. Hopefully, Travis Sanheim doesn't have a future here. And you're getting a first-round pick out of it. I've said for a year, get as many first-round picks out of this draft that you can. Um, hopefully, they still find a way to move Travis Sanheim. But as for that trade itself, I was really excited at the time. I'm just happy that they're moving Hayes, right? Like, All right, so from fan perspective, you know, I guess, yeah, late first-round pick's cool. Uh, Tory Krug is fine. I'm not – I maybe would have been excited for Tory Krug like five years ago. Um, hasn't been the best fit in St. Louis. I'm not sure if that's more um, that he they just doesn't too, fit they the have system. Too many offensive defensemen on yeah. the blue line. He's been injured yeah, he, a lot too. He just doesn't fit out there. So maybe he needs a change of scenery in that sense. Obviously, he doesn't think he does because um, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to waive that no trade clause. Um, but you know, if you can get. Hayes off the books. And I, I still hate the idea of retaining money on Kevin Hayes because that contract from the start was absolute crap and we all knew it. So we're in this position where they have to retain money on Hayes. If they get a first for it for Hayes, and I saw a report by uh man, I forget the first name. Rutherford was the last name from the athletic. I apologize for forgetting the first name, but he said that Kevin Hayes alone, let's say Tory Crew doesn't waive it. And Sanheim doesn't end up going to St. Louis. He said, he said, Kevin Hayes alone will bring back the late first. And I'm cool with that. You know, the, the only way I'd be fine with retaining that amount of money, because it's $3 million if, if they give him up for four, um, is getting a first. And getting a first in this draft, I think, would be great, even if it's a 25. All of a sudden, you have a couple picks at the end of the draft to work with. Maybe you want to package, move up. I don't know. Um, but you you have assets to get creative with. Now, if Sanheim's a part of this deal, what what? How long is this contract? Seven years, eight years? Eight. All right. So, Travis Sanheim essentially for Tory Krug. You have Krug. Let's say he actually stays on the Flyers. You have him for four less years than you would Sanheim, right? And the Sanheim contract is just way too long, too much. Too. You could even argue it's not bad money wise, but it's way too long. So um, you have to find a way to get rid of Sandheim. Unfortunately, or, or fortunately, I'm not a Sandheim guy. So I think you need to get his ass out. Uh, and Tory Krug, I'm just whatever. It doesn't matter to me if the player's good or not, because the Flyers are not going to be good. Right. So it's whatever. He's 32 years old, four years left on his deal. Uh, do him a solid and send them somewhere else. Cause if the guy doesn't want to be here, he's going to be another Kevin Hayes or Tony D'Angelo in the locker room kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. Do you guys think it's weird that this trade hasn't gone through and it's kind it was kind of leaked on Saturday. Now, two days later. Um, well, I had this conversation earlier and someone said, well, why, why was the last step of this to ask, uh, Corey Krug for his no trade, whether he'll waive it or not. But like 99% of the time, that's how these things go. Just for the sole purpose that you usually don't want to ask a player at the beginning of a trade negotiation, just in case nothing ever comes to it. And then it's like, okay, well, we just kind of fractured this relationship with this guy for nothing. Mm -hmm. Now you kind of already did that in this situation because the trade actually got down to the final lap. And it was all up to Tory Krug. 
and it, it sounds like you washed all the the blues crap off of his social media so the relationship's fractured he's pissed i guess he could have saved they you know the blues could have saved a lot of people a lot of time if they would have asked him first but like 99% of the time that's just not how things go um i i guess it is a little strange that it got leaked so early and um uh, I'm not going to go into that, but mm. um, oh, yeah, don't go into that for sure. Mm. Travis. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Someone take <laughs> over. I don't know how to segue that. <laughs> well, I, I, I just I, hope I, it gets done. I am shocked that it got leaked that early. Hmm. Well, it got leaked by St. Louis media, right? Like those were the first guys that were coming out with this. Like, oh, Hayes is going to be a blue. He was the first name that came out. Um, I know Rutherford was one, and Strickland was the other guy. The, the podcast guy uh, was the one that started, you know, kind of spouting off a little bit. Which I gotta say, because there's a couple couple people that don't like that stuff was leaking out. I loved it. Oh, I, I love you. that stuff leaks out. Uh, I'm not worried about. Oh, Flyers got to cover a couple holes. It's not my responsibility. It's not my thing to worry about. Leak it all. I love it. Who <laughs> right? Like you, people are eating this up. As a, right? as a fan, a hundred percent. If you're in the Flyers front office, you're pissed. I would imagine you're freaking pissed off. Yeah, I mean that that's their job to be pissed and to to fix it, not mine. If it yep. leaks, I'm like I'm eating it all up, man. Hey, what do you got? I want more. You know. Um. So yeah. With the other deal, do you guys want to touch on anything else with this? Um, I guess it's just wait and see. Hopefully, I, I, I still hope that they can kind of go back to that St. Louis deal where it's Sanheim and Hayes for a first, and maybe they, maybe somehow they decide to bring in Justin Falk or Marco Scandella or Pareko, another defenseman in the deal. Scandella um, was my original thought. When this happened, I didn't think it was going to be something big like bringing a guy like Tory Krug on a no trade clause back. And because um, Scandella has modified no trade clause, I think. And he's in the last year of his deal. He's making just over three million or just about three million. Um, would be a guy that you can pair up Cam York with. Right. I think, this I, be think I think Scandella makes sense for the Flyers perspective but not the blues perspective because Sandheim's got eight years where Scandella's only got one. Right. Okay. It's Krug. So his is a longer term deal. It's, it's a lot less money on the books in the future. Yeah. So this was before I, I knew that Sandheim was involved and I'm like, cause when San, when I heard Sandheim was involved, I'm like, okay, well this is going to be pretty big because you know, Hayes and Sandheim in one deal. But I was thinking that no, you send Hayes over there. He's making 7 million. Let's say you retain, Two or three, I don't know. So he's making four million with the Blues. They send Scandella this way. That's you know three million for four million. Um, so I thought it made sense in that way. Um, but yeah, and he's more of a defensive guy. Pair him up with. I think they have him listed as a left-handed D. Um, but you know you could play your bottom uh, bottom pair. Maybe he takes Justin Braun's spot somewhere, kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I don't know. All in all, just was a lot of. Stuff coming out of left field and right field nonstop all day Saturday. And then Sunday, everyone's kind of stuck on the couch, you know, 
refreshing Twitter, seeing if anything pops up kind of deal. Um, we got a couple people watching. Uh, I want to know your thoughts, guys. As always, chime in. Get into the conversation. We loved uh, hanging out and talking to you guys. Now, the other deal, the one that if you've listened to the show, which a lot of you have, we've speculated for a long time now. It seems like since – when was that clip that you that you clipped up, uh, Trav, from February? Yep. So a good four months. Maybe January, uh, actually. All right. Well, let's say five months. So it's been a while. We've uh, kind of been discussing that, and it came to fruition. And – it was done. We heard it was done. Flyers were getting a, you know, a whatever level prospect. More or less, it's a cap dump. Uh, well, okay, so some people are looking at it like a cap dump. Some people are looking at it like they're getting uh, Tony D'Angelo out of Dodge. Either way you look at it, they're getting rid of his salary, right? So they're keeping 2.5, and uh, I'm sorry, they're retaining 2.5, and they're trading D'Angelo. Carolina's on the hook for the 2.5. The NHL came out this morning and said, wait a second, this looks like you're circumventing the cap. Of all, of all things to stop, to put on hold, you think the Flyers and the Hurricanes are circumventing the cap by trading Tony, uh, Tony D'Angelo back and forth. Of all things, not... <laughs> Not the Tampa Bay Lightning keeping uh, uh, Kucherov on the IR an entire season. Not the Vegas Golden Knights keeping uh, Mark Stone on the injured list for you know however many months to go on and win the Stanley Cup. Uh, no, it's when the Flyers want to trade Tony D'Angelo back to the Carolina Hurricanes that the NHL decides to step in. And I'm wondering here, because I think we discussed this, I can't remember if it was on the show or off the air, but the Flyers made that big trade during the Stanley Cup. Remember Provorov? Hmm. Do you think that this is the NHL kind of sticking it to the Flyers a little bit? Like, hey, you know, take your medicine a little bit here. Now we've got to go by the book with you. You didn't, you didn't go by the unwritten book. Now we've got to be a little strict. Show the new GM the ropes. What do you think, uh, Trav? an interesting point that I don't think they were too happy it's kind of like an unwritten rule you don't make trades during the playoffs especially during the Stanley Cup um I, I saw on Twitter a couple of times that like this is somewhere in the CBA I wish someone would have screenshot of that and posted I, I have yet to see that if you guys saw it please jump mm -hmm. in and correct me but I have yet to actually see it um it's interesting. I guess if it's in the CBA, then they're enforcing their rule, which is what they should do. But it, it sucks. I guess we got to wait a week and a half. I think it really sucks just because that's not actually what's going on. Like Carolina, <laughs> right. just, Carolina just really wants the guy back. And from the Flyers perspective, I'm curious how much this is of Torts telling Danny B. I do not want to move forward with a Travis Sanheim and I do not want to move forward with a Tony D'Angelo because he did that interview after the end of the season. And he was like, there might only be like, he was very blunt. He was like, there might only be like eight or nine guys here. I see being part of the future. Like mm -hmm. he might be trying to get Danny B because we know how towards is. He might be trying to get Danny B to like fast forward this thing a little bit. And that's why, like, I know we talked maybe an episode or two ago, like, is it smarter to trade Tony now in the off season? Is it smarter to wait till the deadline? And I personally think it was smarter for the off season, but there is a case to be made for wait until the deadline, try to up his value a little bit. Tortorella might just be like, no, get this guy out of here. I don't want to work with him anymore. Got that um, bad. You think, huh? 
I, I do, honestly. I, I think that's what the situation is. Um, hopefully in a week and a half. I think they, I think the trade was made last year, July 8th. So maybe they have to wait till July 9th. I think that might be the situation. So yeah, hopefully correct. in a week and a half, we have a trade to announce. So when I heard that is the situation, it's in the rules. It's to the day from the previous year. Even though it happened at the draft, it's not draft to draft. I think last year's draft was like July, I don't know, 3rd or something. So like it's that's what I, I was told. I didn't find that anywhere in something, and that's where I um, – it's funny. We didn't – we discussed his value, and we didn't discuss what you just brought up was maybe – Tortorella just wants him gone. And when I saw this deal, I thought that because you probably could have gotten a little bit more for him. Maybe if you waited it out or played it better, this sounds like just get him out of here, mm -hmm. you know? And I saw that I agree with. And because I learned of that rule today, I don't think it's the NHL sticking into the flyers. Unfortunately, I understand the conspiracy theory there, but it just makes the NHL look kind of silly when you see an, like such an obvious problem and then something like ticky tacky like this is in the rules. It's like, oh, okay, well, you got this, but it's this. So yeah, it was it just kind of made them look silly and it was an eye roll to me. Because if he is sticking it to him, this is what they're gonna get him with us getting rid of Tony D. <laughs> I mean, I who well, you really taught us, you know. So well that, that's what I mean. It's something so like so small and so pain in the ass. And then you know, you have these strict salary cap rules, and all of a sudden in the playoffs, there's no there's no salary cap. You know, when it's when you want fair competition. So I don't know. I just it was like, eh, this is a little bit odd. But uh, I, I agree. And you know what we I didn't really see many people talking about. And I would like to talk about now is, you know, we were discussing when to trade D'Angelo uh, so that we could get the best return. And honestly, I, I thought that they were going to get uh, what did Ghost go for a third round pick at last year's deadline? especially if the Flyers are going to retain half of his contract, I would have thought at least that they'd be able to recoup that third-round pick. What did they give up, a second, third, and a fourth, was it, last year? Yeah, and just like different years. I figured at the very least, one of those picks could come back. But no. the the What was out there was the Flyers would be getting, uh, you know, whatever uh, center prospect from Carolina, somebody that they want to kind of toss away. And – Carolina's got some decent offensive prospects down on the farm there. So, um, you know, it would have been, I don't know. You guys are right. It, it's probably get, get them the hell out of here because it, it's not going to work kind of thing. I do agree, though. Like, I thought – I didn't think his value was this bad. No. I – we've talked about it before. I think Ghost is a better player than Tony D'Angelo. You disagree. But I, I thought we could have got, you know, a mid-round pick. I – I'm rocking my Tony D'Angelo jersey now for people watching on YouTube. I like Tony. I think he's got a lot of flaws in his game, but if you put him in the right system with the right parrot, I think he's a good player. We saw that two years ago when he was in Carolina. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like you said, I'm, I, I kind of thought we could get a little bit something. Yeah, I mean, if this trade, this trade will likely go through unless something changes between now and July 8th. Uh... I would assume Shane Goss's parents are coming to becoming a free agent and D'Angelo uh, will be a hurricane. And it'd be interesting because Florida is supposedly in the market for an offensive defenseman, like you mentioned. Shane Goss's bears a free agent He's from Florida. I think I would like to see that. I would like to see him go back to his hometown team and, you know, have success there. Don't necessarily like the player, but I could still 
hope that he has some sort of success uh, with his hometown team, potentially. I, I was wondering if he goes to Chicago and rips it up on the power play with Bedard. Well, like a one-year thing and try to cash in? No, you know what? I, I think he's had so many knee injuries in his career. I wonder if he just goes wherever he gets the term. I mm. think that would make sense from him for a career aspect. Who knows? Get one more knee injury, you're done. But who knows? I could be way off. I could be. There was a weird deal that came out uh, earlier today with Boston and Chicago. Taylor Hall and Nick Felino sent to Chicago for – what went back the other way? I don't quite remember. There's, I know it was uh, two restricted free agent prospects. Yeah. Okay. And that was basically a move to open up cap space for Boston to people are saying re-sign Tyler Bertuzzi, but also interesting because Tory Krug used to play for Boston. Um, what do you think about that deal, Jack? Yeah. First, I got a little excited. That, you know, it could be for Krug. <laughs> you know, like I like immediately heard on, I think it's Cervelli. I can't I couldn't tell you that you know they really want to bring back. Um, Bertuzzi, you know, then it was confirmed later. I was like, nope, nope, that makes too much sense. That the mo- even with the money and whatnot, and it's just that was a shame. I was like, because I'm still holding on to that dream trade that should have went down. And yeah, so it was, it was clearly making room to do what they are going to eventually do in a couple of days, if not tomorrow. Sorry. Uh, yeah, it was uh, an interesting one, especially because it could have potentially had flyer ties. Mm. I think two of the teams that came out for Krug, and I'm not sure if this was said on one of the major podcasts, uh, but Boston and Florida were potential destinations for Krug. I'm not sure if that's because Florida is supposedly in the market for an offensive defenseman. There was a and devil rumor for a little bit. I saw the devil one, yep. I just recently saw that. We kind of created one. Uh, I think it was earlier today or yesterday, but Tory Krug is from Michigan, right? And the Red Wings, uh, we mentioned last week, if they strike out on Alex Debrinkit, Travis Konechny would likely be their pivot plan. And what if there's a deal in place that sends Travis Konechny and Tory Krug to Detroit for, I don't know, I can't see Eiserman giving up the nine, but what if there's a deal that, you know, makes him give up the nine? Like, does Konechny crew get it done for the nine plus? Would you do that? I I would do it from the Flyers' perspective, but I don't think Stevie does. So I thought I heard, I'm not sure where, that he didn't like Krug's term. Mm. And it wasn't in his, you know, plan. I guess uh, connecting. I couldn't say one one way or another. But I find it hard. I don't know what you're going to get out of that. I, I don't know. It's um, it would be nice, and there's some connections there. But I don't. I just don't think Detroit wants Krug enough, and I think they're still pushing pretty hard for Debrinkit. So by the time that gets figured out, I think the draft's going to have come and gone. That's right, and the draft is two sleeps away. It's Wednesday. Coming up quick. Came quick, guys. NHL Drift. And then free agency is this weekend. Is that right? Saturday, baby. Mm-hmm. Wow. See, I, I thought. Fifth of July. My dates are kind of like messed up. Is the draft a little bit later this year than usual? I felt like you had like a good like seven to ten days before the, you know, July <laughs> 1. And then this year feels like it's only like four. So, yeah, it's, it's a little bit. I felt like it should have been a week earlier. Yeah, everything kind of feels bam bam, which is fine, but I had yeah. no idea that free agency started Saturday. 
I think it's more so that we've been backed up because of COVID the last couple of years. Yeah. That the seasons have been getting over later that now I think this is the first year we're actually finally back on track. I think. No, I think you're right. Yeah. No matter what, it works. (laughs) Well, yeah. So those are the two major trades for the Flyers. Hayes. I'll I'll jump in on Konechny. Yeah, please do. I still don't know if I want to trade the guy. Like I, I, I think he's worth the nine. That's what I think. And it sounds like we're not going to get that, which kind of, if, if they were to trade law and Enhart, it's like, okay, it's you trade connect me too. like, you, you totally bottom out. But if like, yeah, maybe you keep all three and it's like, you know, maybe you you hope this rebuild only lasts three years. Like, Okay, I, I don't know. I, I'm still on the fence, like 60-40, keep him, trade him. I, I don't know. I, I go back and forth on it. I don't know if I want him gone. As for the trade, sounds like they want the brink at first and maybe connect me second as a backup plan. Yeah, connect me doesn't feel like a guy that they need to move, right? Like he's a guy, wait for the offer to come, right? Yep. That's where so I say it. Kind of like the same thing with Lawton. Like we're, we're finally out of – a position of strength for once. Like we hold the cards for once yeah. first time in years. Yep. Um, like if, if all these teams just want to keep up in each other, okay, then, you know, we, we don't have to move Scott law. And like, you don't want to, you need to develop these kids the right way. You need good uh, guys in that locker room, or then you're just going to end up like the Sabres and the, de- um, the Oilers were for all them years. Kind of the same situation. Like, eh, if, if these teams are going to keep up in each other's offers, okay, then you seriously do have to think about it. Yeah, I mean, and some of them, their their values just seems like it's not going to get much higher. Yeah, that I is mean, true. Holy, holy cow, Lawton! Remember when he resigned? People had issues with that. Not everybody, but there was a large base that had a, an issue with that contract. And I remember we all pretty much said, like, "Come on, this is a fine contract. It's very tradable." Never imagined that you'd be talking a one and a two. That's just insane. So I, I understand bringing up the kids, and I'm, I'm for that to an extent. But it might get to the point where, especially with Lawton, like, I mean, in this draft to get another first, like that's hard to turn down. That's pretty hard to turn down. But yeah. I, I totally understand, especially from the Konechny point. Don't just trade him for the sake of trading him, even if you get a pretty good value. You, you got to get something really nice to really sell that. So I'm, I'm glad there hasn't been too much on that. Um, you can trade him at any time too. It's not like you have to do it right away, like with Sandheim to try to get out of the, you know, getting locked into the eight years and whatnot. So, um, at the end of the day, I do think, I hope that these guys get traded. I don't see them really getting going with these guys, still big values on the team. Who knows? But that's just where my gut feeling is right now. I'd like to see as many picks as they can get, which is something they said, uh, and just trade everybody, I guess. I mean, I'll still keep heart, but. If, if we got a really nice return, I really wouldn't be that upset. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget. So I, they're in a season, and you know, I guess maybe I forgot a little bit, but they're in the season. I didn't want to trade Travis Konechny. He should have scored forty goals this year if he didn't get hurt. Playing with who? Yep. All right, like who? Who was a centerman? Morgan Frost, Kevin Hayes, Noah Cates. No offense to Noah Cates, had a nice season. Morgan Frost, bad, coming out of a shell season. I'm not going to call it a breakout season. Um, but come on. Who, who did he play with? And he, he, he was a point-per-game guy. Should have scored 40 goals. You place him with a Dylan Larkin or whoever else Detroit's Connor got. McDavid. 
Yeah, put bring him to Edmonton. Oh my God! Actually, if he goes to Edmonton and plays with Connor McDavid, I, I'm telling you now, I'll be angry. But as I know, you know, he's going to put up like 90 points a season easily. More than that. Yeah. Um, so has real value, and uh, not a guy that I think Briere needs to. Don't accept. Don't just go into a deal and say, "Okay, I'll settle for this." You need to get what you need to get. You need to get what you want. Don't settle. Um, okay, guys. Anything that we didn't touch on, and we have our first guest coming on in just, uh, I would say, about 10 minutes. Mr. Paul Pollock will be joining us. Actually, I don't think we announced a guest. So Paul Pollock, our very own Paul Pollock, will be joining us at 845. Uh, Mitchell Brown from Elite Prospects will be joining us at 9. And our buddy Sam Turpak will be joining us at 915. Uh, which is awesome because it's like three o'clock in the morning over in Slovakia right now. So pretty cool for them to hang out with us uh, that late. So yeah, a bunch of guests coming on to talk draft. I think he knows Andre Mazaros. He may. He very well may. He's a popular guy. <laughs> um, all right. Was there anything that we wanted to tie up before we move on to some draft talk, boys? Nothing comes to mind, Jimmy boy. All right. Wow. Flyers trade coming soon. I love Jack's. Uh, I didn't have I to never, trade. I didn't have I never to know. Oh, that's from last week. Yeah, it felt, it felt very still, yeah. you know, relevant. He he was buckled up. He so was. Buckled up. I refuse to change it to that. <laughs> I probably should have, but I'll get it. You know what? I'm going to try to get on real quick. I'm going to try to get on uh, the reaction, the Cole Caulfield reaction. Keep Brandon talk about whatever you want real quick. You do anything right. good this weekend, Jack? Did <laughs> well, it traded Hayes? I would have. <laughs> yeah, he mentioned earlier. He said, um, "It, it, what's going on with the trade or whatnot?" Or I just feel like because if you can get that uh, first just for Hayes with money retained, that deal's got to already be done. I mean, I, they, they're life in this Sandheim to St. Louis because I don't see how you don't take that Hayes deal and run. So this guy's got on behind the scenes i really don't know but uh i have every reason to give up hope but for that reason i haven't fully yet yeah i i don't know i like you you see the uh the johansson deal and it's or not johansson yeah ryan johansson and it's like man he got traded for absolutely nothing at 50 percent retained i think kevin hayes is a better player than johansson but that that really made me worried. I'm not gonna lie. It's like, yeah, well, I thought if they retained 50%, you could definitely get a second, maybe a back end first. And then I see that and it's like, oh man, like what the heck are we gonna get now? It's I don't know, it had me worried, and then I don't know, I guess four o'clock on Saturday or whatever time that was, got all excited and thought we were gonna get a big bang in here, get another first, and it didn't happen. Yeah, I just can't see Hayes bringing back a, one, a late one on his own. Yeah, I don't either. And it's that makes me – I don't know. I don't know where they go to. I was hoping they get real creative and another team would pop up. I thought it was very possible they could talk Krugman to being flipped. I understand they wanted to keep him at first, but if that's out, are you going to let the deal die or are you going to try to flip him if he's even interested in that? But when he took all the stuff off his – all the blue stuff off his you know, social media, it's like, well, isn't he open to that then? So right, that's what I thought. I was, I was like, wow, maybe this could actually still work here when when yeah, it's called them tweets. Like, are they 
I thought I'd hear at least one speculation besides when they traded, when the Bruins traded um, Hall, that, you know, the Flyers are speaking to Florida or whoever trying to make it work. Uh, but they, yeah, no, it's still, it still feels like they're at his door just begging. Yeah, or like doing we, nothing. And we mentioned Boston earlier. I just don't see it. And I like Kevin Hayes' name has been floated around with Boston too a little bit. I don't, I just don't see it when they have so many guys they need to resign. I think they only have six forwards under contract. And when they moved Hall out, um, you now only have 10 mil in cap. You have 10 mil and you have to resign all them guys. There's no way you're trading for Krug and or Hayes unless, I mean, they're serious money retained and, I don't even – they got rid of their one bad contract in Felino, and he was set to expire anyway. Like, I, I don't know what you can do there. Maybe Grizzly comes back, but, like, I think he has some value. I don't – you know, that contract's not bad. He's a solid player. Yeah, I have no idea, but it just sounds – make you think, like, it's going to happen with us. Um and then, yeah, I just thought I would have heard another rumor attached to what where that trade is going because it sounded like they didn't want to let it die. And it's gone completely quiet as far as I'm concerned. I and did I, not think today was going to be this quiet. I am shocked. Yeah, I, I wonder if it's, it's because I, – I, sorry. I wonder if they're all in Nashville now and things are a little bit more buttoned up kind of thing. Uh, whereas so. maybe stuff's not leaking. Like I don't think they bring everybody with them to Nashville kind of thing. Maybe like – you know, only their draft guys. So yeah, I don't. I don't think the Flyers' leak is there in Nashville. Yeah, maybe the leak's not there. You know what I mean? So that, that's interesting. Yeah, maybe something actually gets done. Okay, so let me take you back in time uh, about four years ago on draft day, the Colt Caulfield draft. So I don't know if Jack's been excited uh, as excited for any other player in a draft since. Call coffee with the exception maybe of this year's draft, but the Flyers had a real chance to get Cole Caulfield, not once, but twice. And the way in which the pick was announced was, you know, back then it was kind of, it was heartbreaking. Looking back, it was just perfect because it just baited you into it. Like, Oh my God, you'll see, we have the video clip. Jack dug it up here. Um, there may be a curse or two. So if you have children around, maybe, Earmuffs. So here's the clips about there. Advised. Yeah, it's only about 25 seconds long. Here you go. So this was leading up to the the pick, the announcement, and the reaction immediately after. Can you just please watch Jack there in this? I think his soul just leaves his body. Here we go. You're going, dude. Come on. You're with the Flyers. Come on. You're Chuck. with the Flyers. He's on the Flyers. Chuck. He's on. He's Come on, on Chuck. Flyers. He knew it. This motherfucker knew it. What? They went D. They went Even still, man, like when I watch that, it's just amazing because you, like you, you hear it and you're like Cole Caulfield, but you know it's going to be Cam York. From the USA, I was like, oh my <laughs> god, that was so, just not fair. So I got a question to come, Jim. Why were you so excited? Oh, I the just I couldn't guy believe didn't it. Get taken? No, he, I couldn't he, believe he, it. I watch everybody else's reactions. I know what I do. And him and our my friend Dom, his cousin, like they kind of fist pump, like oh, and then it's just disbelief. 
Dom too. He just hand over the open jaw mouth, just like, <gasps> and you look like you got hit by a, hit by something. He flew <laughs> back. He just disbelief. He you could see he got hit by a bag of disbelief. Right. He he, this guy fell fell back twice. I'm sorry, he fell first time, and he was still there at 14, and you still didn't take him. Like, you just have to laugh. Like, how do you do that? You know, like, my God, he's staring you right in the face twice. And you got a second round pick. Yeah, and that made it look even more genius. It was like, oh, my God, he's got it figured out. And then very next pick after we take York, (laughs) Caulfield goes, just like, oh, just turn the knife, man. Like, that was was rough. That was really tough. Absolutely brutal. Uh, Our first guest is on with us, and we are on a bit of a time limit. So we're going to bring him in. Mr. Paul Pollock, our analytics and prospect guy. Paul, thanks for hanging out, man. How are you? I'm good. What's up, guys? Good to see you. We uh, were just talking Caulfield draft. Did you see that video uh, of Jack earlier today? I did, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's, it's tough memory. I mean, Cam York's a good player, but, you know. Yeah, for sure. Reaction? I wasn't – I didn't have that strong a reaction, but I was certainly – one in Cole Caulfield. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, when was the last 50 goal score we had? John McClare? Yeah. yeah. A couple guys came close, but McClare had those three in a row in the 90s. Uh, yeah. yeah so speaking Caulfield, of. Yeah, speaking of draft, speaking of 50 goal scores, speaking of, you know, Flyers hopefully picking a franchise altering player again. What do you think they do this year, Paul? They currently have two first-round picks at 7 and 22. Who would you like them to pick at 7? Who would you, uh, Who do you think they actually pick at 7? Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It, it's, I'm, I feel like I'm getting too optimistic about it, which is scary, but the guy I'm obviously <laughs> dreaming of is Mate Michkov, and uh, – I'm starting to think they have some real interest. It seems like a lot of there's a lot of smoke around that, um, and there's definitely a chance he falls. So that's that's my number one hope. Um, outside of that, I'd hope for Zach Benson and then Ryan Leonard. I know we're a little split on that between Leonard and Benson. Um, I wouldn't be upset about either one, but I, I get the feeling that they would prefer or that I don't, I don't know. You never know with Briere, like. We haven't seen him go about it, but Leonard just feels like more of a Flyers pick. Um, but it also seems like Montreal is pretty interested in them too, so I don't, I don't know if he'll be available. Um, so it could go a lot of different ways. Absolutely could, and obviously <clears throat> there's a lot of smokescreen and stuff now, and you know, the more we talk about this, the more I'm like, is Michkov a smokescreen for the Flyers? Do they want someone to take him earlier so they can you know, snag Benson or, or Leonard? And you know, it's, it's going to be fun, but uh, I want to know. So Zach Benson seems to be, you know, your guy. If it comes down to Benson or Leonard, what do you like about Zach Benson and uh, what can fans potentially expect from from him? Because a lot of fans haven't seen these guys play. They don't watch the tape, things like that, like you do. What have you seen from Benson that you like? Yeah, I think he does I mean, pretty much everything well, but it, the playmaking is maybe best in the class behind Bedard. Um, I mean, I think you're having Mitchell Brown on later. He tracks like all the North American skaters. I think he has the highest tracked playmaking season of any prospect behind McDavid he's ever done. Um, 
So I'm sure he'll he'll talk about that a little more if you ask him. But yeah, the playmaking is just like through the roof good. Um, the skating is you know not it's not Oliver Moore. It's it's not an elite trait, but um, it's not bad. And it's just like the compete that he has along with the playmaking. I, I'm not worried about his size. It, he plays big. He plays through the middle. Um, he just he plays. He's probably the best defensive forward in the draft. He does like everything very well, and then the playmaking is just elite. Um, do you think? I think. Do you I think, think the skating? Do you think the skating's <clears throat> average, below average? I think it's average. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a, a problem. It's not like a separator, but I don't think it's a problem. Um, I think it is. His edge work is actually pretty good. It's just like the the straight line speed that's probably average. I mean, the quick quick starts and that and turns, they're good. Um, but yeah. Speaking of defensive forward, Patrice Bergeron won another Selkie Trophy, so that's great. Yeah. Noah no, Cates robbed. Yeah. Named the Bergeron. Yeah, right. Um, so do you have another prospect that you like in this first round? Obviously, the Flyers pick at 22. Is there, some, is there a name that you kind of hope falls or a, a name that you have in mind for the Flyers to pick at 22, Paul? Um, I'm not, I don't have necessarily like a guy I'm really hoping falls. I mean, obviously there's, it's, a, there's a lot of forwards that are a little undersized in this draft. So you never know who might be the one to fall. I mean, I'd be shocked if Benson fell that fall, far, but I wouldn't be surprised if he falls in the teens. Um, though I think it'd be a bad move. Oliver Moore is another guy that we've talked about that he has a chance of falling that far. Um, if he's there, I would absolutely snatch him up. Um, there's a couple other four, I and mean, there's going to be a very good forward available. Um, there's also a couple defensemen. Sandy and Pelica might drop. Um, Dmitry Simashev might be the best defenseman in the draft, but the production wasn't there, so he could fall, plus the Russian factor. Um, I wouldn't say I necessarily have a favorite unless someone like Oliver Moore dropped. He'd, he'd become the favorite for sure. But um, there's a ton of guys there. It'll, it'll depend how the board goes, I guess, who, who I'm leaning for. Who do you think is the best defenseman in the draft? I'm, uh, I go back and forth on it, but I think it, I think I'd put Simashev as the top guy. Okay. Um, it's a little more projection with the offensive tools, but the skating and the size and I mean, he, all the tools are there really it just hasn't come through in points yet. Um, part of that's like the sister, the team he played on and the minutes he got, um, Part of it's probably just development, but I mean, there's you watch some of the tape on him, and he has some rushes that don't end in points, but you see the tools there, and it, it feels like it has to come. I mean, ho hopefully, he kind of has like a Nikitian season that for Carolina. Um, he was drafted a little later, but he's a big defenseman who could skate, didn't really produce, and now he's like maybe their top prospect. He, he broke out finally. Um, but the four, even without the points, is already a solid defenseman, just that skating and defensive ability and size. Um, and then if he, if he does break out, you have a heck of a player. Should the Flyers look for a defenseman at seven, in your opinion? I don't think so. I, uh, there was a time, there was a point where I thought, like, you know, if Benson and Leonard were gone, maybe. But I think the talent or the offensive ability there is just too high and they can't pass up on talent like that. I think it's higher than the defensive possibilities. I mean, obviously like if Ryan Backer becomes a, a most sider is he probably deserves to go seven, but 
um, that's hindsight. And looking at the prospects as they are, I think the forwards are, are a better bet. Mm-hmm. So you seem to know a little bit about Simashev there. Do you know anything about Gulayev? Not as much. I, I know that he's, you know, very offensive, def- offensive-oriented defenseman. He's a fantastic skater. There's honestly a lot of really good skaters on, at the defensive position this draft. Um, I'm wondering, I think Charlie O'Connor earlier today mentioned that he thinks the Flyers might get a second round pick by the end of the end of the draft. Um, I'm kind of hoping they do. I, it could be a forward, but there's a couple guys that are interesting at that point. Um, he's yeah, but he's, there's guys that I know that love him. I think he could be top two, top three defenseman in the draft. Um, but I, I find, I found it interesting that, that, oh, sorry, Paul. I found it interesting that Reinbacher wasn't one of the first guys that came out of your mouth there because there was a couple days on Twitter, just on my timeline, it seemed like people were trying to pump Reinbacher's tires a little bit for some reason for seven. And I'm, and I'm like, there's so many offensively gifted guys. What are we doing here? Have yeah. you watched Reinbacher? And like, what positives have you seen from him that would make you want to take him at seven over some of these other guys? Um, yeah, I mean, at seven, I don't know if I would do it. I think the, the hope is that for, I mean, but the p- thing that people see in him that really like him is that he'd be this year's most cider. Um, the tools are really good. The offensive game is getting better and better. The defense is already really good. Um, he's, you know, a rangy guy. He's a smart player. Uh, I think the thing that he needs development on is his handling skills, um, and a little bit like offensive creativity. And some people think that is there. Some people think that the upside there is limited. Um, I think he's pretty safe bet to become, you know, number three or four at least. And then if that part rounds out, then you, then you get the most cider type potential. Um, but yeah, there was a minute there. I, I did think maybe at seven and then the more kind of came around, I thought, I don't know. The upside isn't as – I'm not as confident in the upside as I am in some of the forwards. Um, and I know there's a couple of people that don't see it as well. I think – yeah, I think at seven they need to go forward here. But it's, it's a little bit of like the floor that makes Ryan Backer so appealing with the ceiling still. It's just that you know you're getting a good right-handed defenseman, which is obviously a commodity. Mm-hmm. And then there's hope that he becomes the great right-handed defenseman. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to put you on the spot because that's something that I do. Uh, mm-hmm. Mock the first seven picks. How do you think it plays out? Mock it. Yeah, this. So obviously Bedard. Um, I think Anaheim will go Fantilli. I think I know who was it today that mocked um, Will Smith to Columbus. Oh, I didn't see that. Remember? Man, I can't. I don't remember the name, but I did see it too. Um, I'd be surprised at it. I, I wouldn't mind it, but yeah. Um, I, we're all of us seem a little lower on Will Smith than consensus. You'd get him off the board as soon as possible. This way, we're not sweating on draft day, right? That would be a good feeling. Take him third, please. Good player. Yeah, I wouldn't right. mind him going third at all, but I think it'll probably be Carlson. Um, and then four is where. It, probably starts to get interesting. I haven't seen a ton of Will Smith noise with San Jose. They feel more 
towards a Mitch Goff, um, unless somebody takes Smith early. So unfortunately, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Mitch Goff at four. I I don't think teams are as scared as we hope they are. Um, and then Montreal would be an interesting one with Smith there. It's there's a lot of smoke or it seems like a lot of noise that they like Leonard. Um, personally, I like Leonard better, so I'm gonna go with Leonard there as well. And then and then it gets interesting again. Because I feel like not many people have Will Smith getting to Arizona, so it seems like every mock draft has them going Reinbacher or Leonard or Dvorsky. Um, I think if he's there, they probably take Will Smith. And then Arizona Will Smith. There. Yeah. Wait, who went? Who went? Who went three? Didn't Will Smith go three? No. He no, I, I talked about Carlson. Carlson. Oh, Carlson, right? Carlson, Michkov, Leonard Smith. All right. Well, that would mean the Flyers are. Choosing between and you'll Benson, be splitting it Dvorsky. out when uh, Arizona's on the clock. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Um, yeah, that's what I'll be watching for. That's my big shoe. Like, if Michkov goes top six, that's fine, as long as Will Smith goes top six as well. Like, Michkov should go top four. He should, right? The only reason that he wouldn't is because teams are afraid for whatever reason, but – I'm with I'm with you there, Paul. I don't and, think teams are as involved uh, as we think. And there are those people that think Will Smith is in the same tier. Um, obviously not us, mm-hmm. but who knows? It just takes one team to think that. Please. He really did get talked up a lot since that tournament, didn't he? I mean, he was always in the top ten, but he skyrocketed. Yeah, I mean, the production's great, um, but you know, it's a loaded line. It's a loaded team. Um, I mean, there, there's, you know, he's a good prospect. I'm not, he's, he's a top 10 prospect and the playmaking skill is impressive. The hands are great, but yeah, there's, there's just a little more questions, I guess, than some of the other ones. It feels like a bigger bust potential. All right. Let's say, let's say there's a world where Leonard Benson and Meech Culver are all gone before seven. Who'd he take divorce gear more? If Leonard, Mitchkoff, and Benson are gone? Yep. Uh, well, it feels like somebody good would drop it if that happened. But, Will Smith would be there. <laughs> yeah. We're uh, not taking him. <laughs> who, was the, who was the debate? Moore or who? Dvorsky or Moore. Dvorsky or Moore. Um, I think I lean all over Moore. Okay. Um, give me the, I think we would give me the good skating. I mean, they're both very good defensively. Um both probably stay at the center position in the NHL. Both pretty smart. I think Dvorsky um, just maybe doesn't quite have the same ceiling. I mean, okay. he's probably a little bit of a better goal scorer. Moore is more of a playmaker, but I think Oliver Morris has a little bit of higher four. And plus, I, the, the skating is fun. I, I think that we would agree, especially as a Flyers <laughs> fan. We would take somebody that you know has a, the skating ability. Um, yeah. Paul? Thanks for hanging out with us, man. It was fun to finally get you back on. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? And if they, if you have any work you want people to find, where can they find it? Uh, I guess just ppollock96. That, um, you can follow me there. Um, if I have any work, I guess I'll tweet it out. <laughs> All right, Paul. Yeah, thanks Good for having man. me, guys. It's fun talking. Yes, sir. Thanks for hopping on. I'm sh- we'll talk soon, I'm sure. All right. Have a good night, Paul. Yeah, see you, Paul. See All you guys. Right, Paul. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's Paul Pollock. And our next guest is waiting in the back room. We're going to bring him in right now, Mr. Mitchell Brown of the Elite Prospects. Mitchell, thanks for hanging out, man. How are you? Not too bad. James, Travis, Jack, thanks for, thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. I'm excited. Oh, and shout out to Paul Pollock. I just followed him on Twitter recently. I would recommend it. He seems like an interesting guy. I got some good takes. That's awesome. We love Paul. Yeah, he's, he's part of the HW fam, you know, one of the best guys around. So good stuff there. Um, Mitch, we're very excited to have you on. Been following your work uh, for the past couple months, honestly. Just kind of found you back in, I would say, March when the draft stuff really picked up. Um, your YouTube stuff with the uh, – what, what is it? The, the round robin you guys do with the big groups you guys have on and kind of decide on the prospects kind of got me hooked. Um, yeah, you guys have done great work uh, leading up to the draft here. Really admire your guys' stuff. So it's great to have you on. Uh, with no further ado, I kind of want to dive right in because our time is so much short. Favorite two prospects of this draft, loaded draft. Obviously, there's a lot of guys to pick from. Who are Mitchell Brown's favorite top two prospects? My favorite top two prospects are going to be two guys you probably have never heard of, unless you've been following me on Twitter. So the first one is probably Rodwin Dinizio, who was undrafted last year. He's He does all the camel car footwork, just an insane slow motion. Uh, he's just fun to watch. He's an insane playmaker. He sees plays that no one else does in this draft class. The skating might prevent him from playing, but I mean, the reality of it is at some point, you just got to swing for upside and having fun too. Like you watch Windsor play and this dude's just fun. And when you're watching like 300 prospects in a draft cycle, like I am, the guys who are fun just really catch your attention. And then the second one is probably Gavin Thorson. He's at an Andover high and then also played a little bit in the USHL with Waterloo. He was a point per game. Flyers fans will probably like this one because he's a little bit like Travis Konechny. He's a small tank. He just runs around hitting dudes, getting skating into their legs, engaging in battle, spinning off the boards, attacking the net instantly. He's got some skill too. I think for him, it's just going to come down to skating development and adding a little few more layers onto his playmaking. So being more deceptive, playing the give and go game a little bit more, but you know, this is a this is a great draft for chaos creation. That is for sure. Like, look no further than Ryan Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of us are hoping that he's there at seven. But you know, these are two. So, Rodwin Denicio is a, a name that maybe I heard you mention him. Very fun player. He, what round can you see him going in this draft? I'm gonna guess probably somewhere in the four to six range. Okay. There's some interest in him this year. I was shocked that he didn't get picked last year. I mean, he is six foot two and hits like a truck. So just that alone usually gets you drafted, and then you add on top all that skill. But it'll be an interesting one too. Just kind of a tricky situation. Skating isn't great. He only had like that real standout year for half a season. So yeah, going to be fun to watch him though. I like that these are two guys that are not in the first two rounds. So. We all kind of learned something today. Mm -hmm. Two names that we never heard of before. Um, interesting that you compared the second player to Travis Konechny because the Flyers may need to be replacing a Travis Konechny uh, in the short future. So interesting stuff. Um, okay. As we know, the Flyers are picking seven and, and 22. Maybe they have another draft pick before uh, – uh, I'm sorry, Wednesday night. We'll see. Um, but if you're the Flyers at seven, Mitchell, uh, who do you take and how do you kind of hope uh, the draft – falls for you at seven well you really hope that you get Matt michikov don't you because then <laughs> right. it sets you on a very strict rebuild timeline right because then you know you got three years you can still have fun for three years lose some games experiment a little bit 
And then match day comes in, you're like, all right, it's go time. Like that really locks you into that. And of course, being Flyers fans, I'm sure you know that it's really nice when teams are kind of forced into doing the rebuild. Like when there's not really another choice. And if you have Michikov coming in three years, you don't have a choice. You have to you have to tear it all down, start from the beginning, ship ship players out, and hope that you can create the best possible arrival situation for him. Now, if that's not possible, I think you're probably hoping for Ryan Leonard. So, I mean, I can just go straight into Ryan Leonard. I can talk about him for like five hours if you wanted me to. Please, be my guest. I would love it. Okay, so we'll start with the skill level because I think everyone likes to talk about just how annoying he is, and I'll get there. I feel like that's an important part of his game too, but he's just as skilled as the other top non-Carlson, Michkov, Bedard, Fantilli guys in the draft. It doesn't appear at the same frequency because of the situation, but he can absolutely rip it, and like as you look for an NHL player, you want to see how they can shoot it off the pass. So catch and release one-timers. He's got a bomb off the pass, and he can also like add in a quick handle to deceive the goalie. He can curl it around a stick inside the pass to then create the shooting lane and so on. And, of course, there's no surprise that that dude also has a lot of handling skill, too. If you can do that off the pass, you can certainly break some ankles and open ice. And the playmaking potential. There's so much playmaking potential. Sure, he's not connecting with the same plays as Smith and Perot, but he's trying them. He's still trying to manipulate opponents. He's still trying to make them go one way and then go the other. He's still trying to make them pivot and then pass on their heels and so on. And he's very deceptive. He has a lot of creativity to his game. He was always more of a goal scorer growing up. And so this is a relatively new development to his game. But now that you're seeing it in such a high leverage situation, I mean, this is a draft year. This could, you know, if you go later, if you go in the late first, Suddenly, NHL teams aren't going to be as dedicated to keeping you around the NHL, and that can cost you millions of dollars. So that he has the confidence to experiment in a season like this is so important. Now, we get to the big one, the physicality. So physicality is an offensive skill, too. It doesn't get talked about as much, but like being able to protect the puck, being able to absorb contact, or when you do what the or you do what Ryan Leonard does, and that is take on three guys at once, throw them all to the ice, and then drive the inside. And so it's a real attribute as well. And I think with him, there's a lot of like Brady and Matt Kachuk comparisons that come out. And I see some people saying, oh, you know, like, is he actually that annoying? And I'm just going to say it straight up. He is absolutely that annoying. <laughs> he is absolutely that freaking annoying. Like in front of the net, he will, he, uh, he'll take all sorts of contact. There was this great one that he had, I think, at the U18s against Germany, where it was like the score completely out of the game. And this dude's cross-checking him. And so instead of skating away like most players would do, he turns around, looks the other way, leans back, and then takes a dive and draws a penalty. And it's just like, he does this constantly. And I was looking at it on Instat the other day. And he, for every minor penalty that he took this season, he drew 2.2. Let that sink in. For a guy that plays the way he does, yeah. He doesn't take penalties. He draws a ton and he's just running around trucking dudes. Like he just runs <laughs> over them. He's super aggressive. Like it doesn't make any sense that you can be that disciplined and, and just be like, and play that way. So yeah, I think maybe he's not, he's not as big as Brady. Right. So that's kind of where the, there's some difficulty, you know, being bigger or longer limbs, you have more ability to fight back or whatever, but it also works to his advantage. He can get kind of lower. And so in battles, he's not going to be, is overpowering like coming up from the top but he'll get low and and get underneath their hips and knock them off balance and of course i mean he's still gonna just run over people so i mean you're looking at a clear 
potential top line power forward. There's a real chance he ends up on at the center position as well. So it might, it's going to require a little bit more work than a Smith will, but the upside is relatively similar. Well, if, if you're looking for a Ryan Leonard fan club, like you found it right here. So oh, I mean, yeah, great, we're great. all sitting here like, oh, God, this is amazing. <laughs> I'm curious your thoughts on Zach Benson. Oh, okay. We're going with Ryan Leonard and Zach Benson back to back. So, I mean, I don't know if Benson is going to be the guy, but I really wonder if there's a team in there, you know, I, no one has really been linked to him inside the top seven so far. But, I mean, the talent level is there. He's arguably the best playmaker in the draft. He can do things that not even Connor Bedard can do. Will Connor Bedard eventually be able to do them? Yeah, he's Connor freaking Bedard. He's going to learn to do whatever he wants on skates. But there's a real chance, too, with Benson that he just ends up controlling an entire game. Like, I think Braden Point is kind of an interesting player because he's not necessarily the fastest player or maybe the flashiest player. He does have his deeks or whatever, right? But a lot of what Point does is get the puck, move it, relocate, get open, and just keep building plays. Like, he's the master of building and getting the puck back, putting the finishing touches on it, and so on. And Benson has a lot of that in his game. And Benson might not be the most explosive skater, but he is also very thin, and he's a better backwards skater, lateral skaters than forwards, so you anticipate that that will translate as he gains weight. And I also think with Benson, too, like, we can look at his size, but he's the best playmaker off the boards in the draft. No one can absorb contact and set up a teammate like him. No one can make plays through as many opponents as he can. So even if he loses some of that ability, let's say he loses 25% of a percent of that. Well, what's 25% of being the best? That's still pretty good, isn't it? And so I think, I think in Benson's case, like for us, he's our fifth ring prospect at elite prospects. He's my fifth ring prospect in this draft. I think he's a better prospect than Leonard. But, like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's the draft. There are so many different opinions. Am I going to say that picking Leonard over Benson is, is stupid? No, of course not. It's a perfectly justifiable decision. And, you know, it can be a debate that, we, that we'll have forever. You know, we'll see what Montreal does. We'll see what Arizona does. These are two teams that can be a little bit on the unpredictable side. But I think I think you can't go wrong with either of those two. And, like, the Flyers are in a really interesting position. In most drafts, you look at seventh overall and you're like, oh, Man, that's kind of a tough one because the chances that we're getting a clear top six guy or like top, you know, number number two, number three defenseman aren't super high. But in this one, it's like it's a slam dunk. Speaking of defensemen, who's the best one in this draft? Yeah, that is a great question. So I cover North America mostly. So I, I don't know Shimashev and Reinbacher and Axel Sanding Pelika as well as other people will. But I think it's probably a Reinbacher weighing the risk with Shemeshev. You know, you don't have the same level of offensive creation and you don't have the same level of defensive awareness. Reinbacher just kind of, you know, he really makes defense, he really makes attackers wear him. You know, he like leans into guys, he pushes off them, and then he jumps into the play instantly. Like he'll he'll take a stride and then put put his hand behind him and throw the guy behind him so he can get above him in front of a rush and create offense. So he's going to be a very interesting one to see how much can the hands improve and how much more power can he add to his stride. He has the mechanics down, but he can just be a little awkward and maybe the edges aren't quite what you would anticipate it for. But past history shows that guys who have the fluidity, guys that have the power off the hop, generally become much better skaters over time. Great info right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jack. Now I can see why uh, him and Paul get along pretty well. <laughs> I want to be Paul's friend after following him, I think. So I think I might message him and want to talk shop with him soon. 
<laughs> Paul, we should have got you both on at the same time. Maybe we'll have to get you guys back on after the draft or something. But uh, Paul had mentioned that you had Benson as the – you had a model out, and Benson was the second-best player on there after McDavid. Was that correct? Playmaker. So the second-best passer. Second-best passer. Okay, so he okay, posted okay, the second-best okay. passing results, which is obviously influenced by the fact that he has two great shooters around him. You know, someone needs to shoot the puck that you're going to pass. But, like, man, it's not even really close. It's, it's Benson and then just, like, an ocean. <laughs> so – He's closer to McDavid than McDavid is to him. Of course, air is different. I can go on to disclaimers forever, but yeah, he's really good, and everything suggests that he's that level of playmaker. Interesting like, stuff. I like Leonard, but I think if, like, as a Flyers fan, if we can't get Michkov, Michkov, Benson's the guy I want. Yeah, and of course, too, the other thing with Benson as well that I think is a little underrated with him, he's got a serious edge to his game. People don't really talk about it much. They think he's, you know, skill guy, but he runs through people's hand. He can knock them off balance. He creates a lot of chaos and then skates away. And just when you're as intense and as involved on the forecheck, as involved defensively, as involved getting pucks to the middle, you're just going to create some chaos. And then Benson brings that every single shift without fail. doesn't matter the score. doesn't matter how, many, how much ice time he's had. He's a real weapon out there. All right, Mitch. Uh, so we have you for about a couple more minutes here. The Flyers are picking at 22. I'm looking at a mock draft that has them taking Otto Stenberg. I'm looking at another one that has them taking Daniel Boot. Uh, and one more that has them taking – sorry, I got to scroll a second – that has them taking Otto Stenberg and, or Oliver Bonk. Who do you see the Flyers taking at 22? Or who would so, you take? So who would I, who I would take is probably Callum Ritchie on the spot. Tremendous small area playmaker, very physical, good at getting opponents on his back and then attacking the inside. So, like plays the give and go game, knows how to relocate off checks, spin off them, and so on. And I think the really interesting part that Richie does that very few players are able to do is he links all of them together. So in a in a shift, he'll get three, four, five, six touches, and every single one of them will become more dangerous than the next. So his game is just one of building and building and building and building. And when you look at any developing team, if you have the opportunity to add a guy who can raise your ceiling and also elevate your floor, especially in the late first, you probably take that. Now, for as a, what the Flyers might do, I think given that they haven't taken a defenseman since, in the first round anyway, since 2019, Emil Andre, I guess, was a second rounder. Yeah, I think they might go defenseman. And, you know, Dmitry Shemeshev is the big wild card in the first round at this point. I think Kristal is kind of slipped, slipped too much at this point that it's kind of locked in stone where he's going to be. But Shimashev, we don't really know. Like he can, he might go top 10. He might go late first. And if the Flyers get a six foot four guy who skates like a skating coach, you know, you're probably pretty keen to add that guy to your system. I know I mentioned that he's wrong. There's a lot of ways that his development can go. But there's so much upside there. Like the like if you if you can you even have to get a grand slam off that. If you get a single off that, that's still a six foot four dude who can skate like the wind and play middle pairing minutes for you. I, I said on last week's podcast, perfect case scenario for the Flyers in my mind is you get both Russians. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Simashev. I'd be a fan of that. That would be that would be really good. Of course, the Flyers don't have a great track record of picking Russians. You know they've <laughs> they've had they've had some uh, they've had some limited success developing them, and then they've also made some poor picks related to the area. But I mean, past failures does not dictate future failures. And I think new management group things looking pretty good. 
You also have a unique level of talent in this draft available to you. And there's a real probability that those are the two best guys available. Man, what if they just trade up? All right. What if they just trade and trade up to five or whatever to take Michikov? Seems, is, was that reasonable? What do you give up for that? Is it the seventh and the 22nd and something else? I think we'd be okay with that. Yeah, that's a great question, what it would take, but I, I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I'd live. I'd probably like do that just, in a heartbeat. Yeah, you know Just what? to guarantee it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so my new thing, ignore everything I said. Just trade up for him. Just do it. Just trade up for Matt Faye. Do it. <laughs> I mean, you get a bona fide stud. Yeah. Opportunity, man. It's an opp- yeah, it's great tough. opportunity. Really like seeing pounce on something. And even if it doesn't even if it doesn't work, like it's still a risk that I think you have to take. Especially given that when you have that level of talent, very rarely there's an incredible level of certainty attached to it. And with him, you know, there's a little bit more risk. It might scare some stupid teams out of picking him. And you could really take advantage of this if you're the Flyers. And like you know, again, as I said at the off the top, it locks your timeline in place. And that's the best thing that you can have as a fan of an NHL team. Because one minute you're rebuilding, and then they're like, oh, this dude who's 35 years old and was good five years ago is available. We need to trade the farm for him comes up. And then they wreck the whole thing. You can't do that with Matt Bay in your system. Paul, Paul was saying when he first hopped on, like um, he he's wondering if teams aren't as afraid to take Mitchkov as we all seem to think. And it it really makes you wonder. Yeah. And I, no one, no one really knows. Like I feel most drafts, we kind of have a good idea where things are going to fall. And just because of how equal the top end of the draft is, you know, I, I think there might even be some teams that aren't fully locked into their decision in that top seven. You know, they might not even have a clear cut guy yet. It might still be, you know, they wake up one morning and they're like, Oh, I want this guy. And the next day, Oh, it's, I want this guy. Everyone's just so close, and there are so many different ways that you can improve your team, and you don't get drafts like this very often. So, uh, Mitch, I know we've kept you a couple minutes over here. Our, our, we had a third guest coming on, but he had a last-minute thing pop up. You got five more minutes? Sure, yeah, you can keep me on for a while. I got, I got 15, 20, whatever you want. All right, cool. Nice. Um, so a couple more. I, I got two questions here, so two different prospects. Will Smith, obviously, you ask anybody about him, everybody tells you the same things. I got to be honest, I'm, I'm not you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm new to watching these prospects kind of things. I watch him play. I watched him play in the tournament, and I couldn't help but think that he was a lot slower than a lot of these other guys. It seemed like he was somewhat moving in slow motion, and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, Okay, he's getting away with this now against, you know, players of his same age and, you know, weight and things like that. But does that translate to the NHL? Will he be the same type of player or am I wrong to think these about Will Smith? What are your thoughts on Smith? Man, we got to hire you, James. Yeah, that's good analysis right there. I think I think with Will, he's a very like he's a big moment player. Like the highs that you see from him are ridiculous take on three four players deceive everyone everyone's like oh this is a shot for sure or this is a different pass and he sneaks it through the tiniest little opening but just as you said he lacks some pace to his game and on top of that he's not the same level of skater that we've seen from the top ndp guys in previous years like say logan cooley he doesn't have that same innate explosiveness so his margin for error is going to be a lot smaller i think 
his development curve is going to become even more deceptive and, you know, he might up the pace a little bit, but speed is never going to be a massive advantage for him in the NHL. So there's real risk there. I think we had him ranked seventh and there's a real argument that he could be lower because he's, people talk about him as some sort of franchise center, which if you're just looking at the highs, absolutely. But there's a lot of work to do skating wise. He has to improve his ability to engage physically, you know, absorbing contact, getting the puck to the middle, keeping defenders on his back. He can be pushed out of games a little bit. And there were, I know this is an unpopular opinion, but there were just as many nights where he was the passenger on the line with Leonard and Perot as they were passengers. So it, he's he represents a real big swing on someone who makes two or three big plays a game and then kind of disappears for the rest of it. And of course, the MTDP is a different environment. It's a lot more flexible. You see a lot more creativity. There's going to be some inefficiency as a consequence of that. But yeah, I'm not I'm not super sold on Smith either. Do I think he's top ten? Yes, but I, I'm not I'm not in the he needs to go third overall camp by any stretch. Well, I appreciate your honesty there. And, and not that, you know, guys we've had on in the past were being dishonest, but literally all we've heard were positive things. And I'm like, are my eyes lying to me? Like, cause I'm hearing all this, but when I watch them, I'm like, I don't see that happening the way it's happening now in the NHL. So I hope, I hope everything goes according to plan for him. Don't get me wrong there, but I'm just like, I, I don't want the Flyers taking him at seven, please. Not when you have a chance to take Ryan Leonard, or a Benson, or even an Oliver Moore, who can fly like the wind. Like, Flyers don't have fast skaters, so it'd be nice to get a guy like that. Um, I guess the other guy that I wanted to ask you about was uh, an offensive defenseman who may not be on a lot of radars towards the back end. I don't know if he's if this is too early for him, but Lukas Dragicevic? Yeah. Yeah, so Dragicevic is a really interesting player. He converted from forward a few years ago. Um so that explains some of the, uh, you know, the defense. <laughs> it's a little bit of a problem. He can't quite pivot at this stage yet. When he pivots, his upper body leans too far forward, and then as he comes out of it, he loses all of his speed. So he gets dusted a lot. He actually does have pretty good defensive instincts, though. So, like, you see him, he'll tie up guys around the net at the perfect moment. You know, you don't just want someone cross-checking a guy over and over again. You want them to stay next to them, and then just as the puck comes through, they get under their stick, and that keeps the play moving. Then you can jump into the rush and so on. He's great at that kind of stuff. And, man, he's just, like, he was Tri-City's offense. He led their team in, like, almost every single offensive category, even, like, more granular metrics. Like, I track something called like offensive involvement. So how much of your team's scoring chances are you involved in either as the primary passer or the shooter? He was number one on his team. He's a defenseman. Like, that, like that's just ridiculous. Like you you shouldn't be allowed to do this. And he, he has the full offensive toolkit. Like it's not just shooting for deflections. It's not just deeks. He can like manipulate multiple defenders at once, bring them all the way across to the other side of the offensive zone. They think they're going to get him, And then he just rips across a lot pass through him for a tap in. He's got a real knack for getting pucks through. He's got a real knack for beating opponents off the point, then getting scoring chances. He's great off puck in the offensive zone too. Like you see him really kind of sneak away from pressure, use the weak side, then unload a big shot once he gets it. And because he was recently converted from forward, when he gets the puck down low, he's a forward. Like he has the same skill level. He makes the same exciting plays. Like I think if we were just to take his skills, like his tools and make him a forward, he would be a first round talent. Like that's how exciting those puck skills, the shooting, the passing and everything are. 
and of course the offensive intelligence. It's just the skating really has to improve. I mean, he knows it. He's honest about it. He talks about it. It has improved over the last few years. It's more of a, uh, he's very upright. He doesn't bend his knees enough, but he doesn't, he, he loses his posture. Like he gets pulled out of it. He elevates, he rises, his torso drops, his knees stay to, or his hips rise. And so it just doesn't generate a ton of power. So if he can learn how to do that, get the defense even just a little bit, and the fact that he's six foot two and NHL teams are like, you suck defensively? Well, you're six foot two. It doesn't matter. You can play for us till the end of time. So he's gonna get a ton of opportunities. And he's just like like I, I know that there are I, I understand the concerns, and I understand we ranked him like in the early second. I personally would have had him higher just because of the chance. But if you connect with Luke Stragasevic, like he's point producing power play guy unique level of offensive skill from the blue line he's big he's good off puck defensively might get burned a lot as the on puck defender but you know there's there's so much upside there so much i'm thinking if you know maybe the flyers acquire another pick whether it's a second round or a late first maybe that's a name to keep an eye on yeah they could use a guy like that on the right side that can, you know, mobile defenseman that create offense, things like that. So, um, boys, any, any last thoughts or questions for Mitch before we let him run? I'd like to have you mock the first seven picks of the draft for us. <laughs> okay. Do you want me to go crazy mode or what, what you truly think is going to happen? Okay. Okay. So if I had to guess it's, can I just start number two, right? I'll just start number two. <laughs> <laughs> number two, number two, Fantilli. Number three, I think they go Will Smith. Yes. Number four, Leo Carlson. Number five, Matt Fay. Number six, David Reinbacher. Number seven, Ryan Leonard. There it is. I, I think I think that's probably how it's going to shake out. I saw Yarmo Kikalan's comments about a franchise center, and I know the center can apply to Leo Carlson too, but. It uh, it introduces an interesting variable into the situation. The Columbus Blue Jackets just love to be like, you know, we're taking this guy no matter what you think about him. They did that with Pierre-Luc Dubois. They did that with Igor Chinikov. Uh, they, they're they fearless. And so I really wonder if Smith might be their guy in that spot. Hmm. What's crazy? And, of course, I can't wait to be wrong about everything that I've said in like a year <laughs> and a half because uh, that's just the way the business goes. I get paid to be wrong professionally in public and often. <laughs> What's crazy mode? Okay, so I think I think number one, Bedard. Number two, Mishkov. <laughs> I, I like. I really wonder about this one. This is something that I've been kicking around a little bit the last few days. You know, I'm just sitting in my room or whatever, writing articles, and I'm like, I'm like writing about Ryan Leonard. And I'm like, Ryan Leonard is what if Matt Mishkov goes number two? Okay, like, hey, gotta put that. Get out of here. I gotta continue to write this Ryan Leonard article that it just comes back in. I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> so. I wonder. I wonder if he's. I wonder if he's number two. I think that's a real chance. And then number three, Fantilli. They get their franchise center. Number four. I, this is. This is gonna. This is. This is one of the weird points of the draft where I just like. <sighs> hmm. Let me. Let me give this. Let me give this a little bit of a thought. So. If you if, if you have Mishkov and Fantilli gone, the calculus changes. If you're I'm drawing a blank, if you're San Jose, the calculus changes. So maybe you just go Smith. Montreal surprises everyone, goes Benson. 
you know, they haven't been linked to Benson at all. Maybe yeah. that's just kind of the game here. Maybe they're just like saying, we're going to take this guy. We're going to take that guy. And then they end up going Benson, uh, Arizona, Dalibor Dvorsky, because, and uh, Philadelphia, uh, David Reinbacher. Oh, oh God. Damn it. Oh. All right. Okay. Hear me out. Hear me out. So let's say, let's say you get David Reinbacher at seventh. And then you get Oliver Moore at 22. Wow. Oh. Okay. Maybe Are you cool with that? Oh, I'm in. Yeah. I, okay. Where's somebody I, 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 don't, I don't hate the idea of Ryan Bacher at seventh. I think I understand why people are down on him. I get it. It's a little bit boring compared to the forwards you have available, but there's a real chance he just kind of like Mo Siders it. I'm not saying he's going to be Mo Sider, but just as like, Oh, I was told Mo Sider couldn't handle the puck, and then Mo Sider's just like breaking ankles in the NHL. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's a chance that Ryan Bacher does that as big, athletic, toolsy defenseman who like who cares and tries so much. You know, you never know. And then with Moore, you're getting. I mean, apparently he's the fastest man on skates. I'm seeing tweets that he's the fastest man on skates. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised since skating has improved so much since McDavid did the bio steel testing or whatever in 2015. But like, man, like. Like he's not, he's not fast. He's like this dude is five meters in front of me, and I'm gonna get five meters in front of him. <laughs> like he's he's ridiculous, and he works insanely hard. And I think a little fun stat here for the people who are still here an hour and twenty five minutes in. Mm-hmm. Guess who set up more chances at five on five from the NTDP this year? Will Smith or Oliver Moore? Hmm. I wonder. Uh, I'm gonna say more. Oliver Moore did. That's right. That's right. And so you really wonder, hey, he's not in a position where he's getting a ton of prime touch. He's done have the same quality of teammates. What happens if him and Smith swap spots for the entire season? Mm. He probably does pretty similar production-wise. He's got that insane defense game. I know he's a little bit on the smaller side, but he's when you can skate like that, you can absorb any type of contact that you can't uh, simply just skate away from. And he was a better playmaker, a more intelligent offensive player earlier in the season. And I acknowledge that he did take a bit of a tumble throughout, but at the start, you know, he was looking just as creative, just as dynamic, just as skilled as Perot, Smith, Leonard, probably even more. So uh, pardon the pun, but I mean, this is, there's a real chance because NHL teams, you hear a lot of whispers, oh, this dude might just be a third line guy. He might even end up on the wing. When you have that, when you have those tools, it's so much easier to develop other ways to impact the game. You know, with most players, it's like, okay, if you want to do this thing, you have to learn to do this thing with your body. But if you can already do that, you can just be like, hey, Oliver Moore, just do this thing. He's like, oh, yeah, I can do that, obviously. Like, I'm the fastest man alive. I can do whatever I want. (laughs) So, yeah, that's my that's my Oliver Moore thing to really hammer home with the Oliver Moore rules uh, part of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I think we would be happy with him at seven. You know, I mean, obviously, depending on who who goes in front but if the flyers took him at seven i think a lot of us would be happy with that yeah wh- you know? why is there some sort of talk around that like he might slip well i i think it, like if he goes inside the top 10 i think vancouver might be interested if he goes inside the top 10 i will be shocked like i'll be as shocked if if, if crystal goes in the top 10 who might not even go in the first mm. like mm. he's it's it's because a he trended down throughout the season in his effectiveness offensively. You saw him make more simple plays. You saw him play a little bit more shoot from the perimeter rather than get to the inside. 
And on top of that, he didn't have the production. He might not have had as many as big moments in the second half of the season because so the national team development program schedule is uh, is very segmented. So the beginning of the year, it's kind of a mixture, mostly college and international and some USHL. And then the second half of the year, you can you go into another international tournament and then all USHL down the way and then the U18s and more kind of faded a little bit through those USHL viewings and then the U18s, which are where you're primarily going to watch these guys. So I think that's probably it. some concern about his decision-making, his awareness of space and so on. Uh, and also maybe teams just hate short people. And, <laughs> you know, so yep. it's not even like he's that small, though. Like, I mean, we're talking about Will Smith being going top three, and he's under six feet tall, just under, but still. The same with Ryan Leonard five foot seven and three quarters. So yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. I don't get it. We ranked him inside our top 10. I stand by it. I think there's a real chance, especially in Minnesota where they have a system that's very focused on East West puck movement, lots of lateral passing, lots of like moving the puck for high danger chances instead of taking the easy shot. He's going to naturally kind of be guided in that direction anyway. So I'm all for him at seven too. Hmm. Yeah. That's a guy we would all love. Uh, Mitchell, it was uh, awesome having you on. Are you heading to Nashville by any chance this week? Or No, I'm not. Not this year, unfortunately. Some, some health issues are keeping me back, but oh, no hopefully, I can be, hopefully I can be there next year. Yeah, hopefully uh, you know, whatever's going on clears up. Uh, dude, it was awesome having you on. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks a lot, James. Really appreciate it. Travis, Jack, it was a blast. You know, this is fun. I'd like to be back on sometime soon. I dude, love talking love prospects. So, and I love hating on the Flyers indirectly. I'm a big fan of this. So, I'm all for it. <laughs> we'll have to set something up uh, during the summer or something, dude. Until I mean, I love your stuff. We've been watching it all, all season long. So, keep up the great work. And yeah, hopefully we can connect again soon. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the draft. Take care. Hey, you too. Thanks for coming Thank on. you. There he is. Uh, I like it. Yeah. I mean, you want fun. information, you got it right there with, with Mitch. Um, they do great stuff outstanding stuff feel like you didn't even need to read anything anymore because you get mitch on <laughs> just so much information newspapers dying right he knows <laughs> the stuff man so yeah we're about uh, an hour and a half in so our third guest sam uh, i think they had some weather issues out in oh. slovakia unfortunately so we'll have to get him on a future date uh, andre so bizarro's was- told him not to come on yeah <laughs> That was cool for uh, of Mitch to hang out a little bit to fill some yep. time there. Um, yeah, anything else before we wrap up our, our pre-draft show, boys? Hope for an exciting week, my friend. Hope for an exciting week. Yeah, have you guys been checking um, Twitter at all? I have. I got- nothing crazy. Okay. Called Noah Cates got some some votes for the Calder, but they hey. finished like ninth, maybe. Oh, right. Well, how did he do in a Selkie? Did, yeah. did he place or anything in there? Uh, Bergeron won. I did not see the voting in. Okay. Yeah, so Allmark got the Vesna. No, oh. well, fellas, I got I got four bets, draft bets. I want to, you guys to let me know what you think. Okay. Right. So over under, sure you know how that works. First one I took was Willander because I couldn't believe this. I took the over twelve and a half. Wow. Because so thirteenth or later, I win. I mean, for Willander, that yeah. felt like a gimme. So okay, I'm looking at a mock here. Uh oh. You want me to give you it? Because this is the NHL.com. This is Adam Kimmelman, Ooh. who is uh, a Philly a Philly guy. And Mike Morreale, he, he's a Philly guy too, isn't he? 
I'm not familiar with that. Either. All right. So we're what was it on Willander? 12? 12 and a half. So 13 or later he has to go. Okay. Are you ready for this, Jack? He's at 12, isn't he? <laughs> I got. So Mike Morreale has him at 10 to the St. Louis Blues. Don't know if that's going to happen. I can see them taking a defenseman, but not him. Right. And then Adam Kimmelman has him going to the Vancouver Canucks at 11. No, I don't see it. Tough scene. Did you mortgage the uh, the house on that bet? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, I don't see that happening either. I was just as surprised I, as you that's are. The first couple of mocks I've seen where he's that high. Yeah. Honestly. That's very high. So, whatever. Hey, let's make it interesting. Uh, next one I think you're going to like. Uh, this one seems pretty good. Um, Ryan Leonard under eight and a half. Oh, yeah. I think that's a lock. Yeah, locked that, that I mortgaged that one because I had to make some money. <laughs> <laughs> I might, was that DraftKings? Yeah, this is all DraftKings. Uh, I might have to get on there too. Yeah, that one you only have to look up. I got two more. Um, I went over 10 and a half, so 11 or later. Nate Danielson. Yeah, I think that for sure. Right, that one we could see. Hopefully he bumps that, Willander back, I guess. That, are those plus odds on Willander and Danielson? Um, Willander was plus 200. Uh, Danielson's minus 150. Oh, wow. Willander's my only plus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could see that then for sure. And my final one is over eleven and a half. Uh, Gabe Peralt. So, what's the odds on that one? He was the one I was kind of nervous about, but I thought it'd be fine. Can you parlay them them all up? So, like no, the I same. I oh wow. my god! If I could, this I would be still we'd be talking for a while. Yeah, I might have to throw a couple bucks into that. I would have put a dollar and picked like the whole first round. <laughs> yeah, That'd I'm gonna get fun. on that tonight. Yes, yeah, I, I wonder, I'm curious if the uh, how much the odds have changed because this was I did this like four days ago, so just because now it's draft week, we're getting closer. I they had to have changed. Yeah, I'll get on there, get some bets going. All right, really? Any, are you kidding me? Yeah, that was weird. Um, Noah Cates finished fifteenth for the Selkie. Oh, that's a goddamn shame, man. He got one it? second place vote, one third place. One fourth place and four fifth place. How did so? Don't the don't the Flyers get a vote on that? Flyers. Who? I'm not sure who votes on Selkie. If it's writers or who? That's a goddamn shame. Whoever it was, whoever was so, from uh, Philly, if they didn't give him a first yeah. place vote, that's a goddamn shame, man. It's like Charlie. Come on, Charlie. <laughs> um, don't get me started. JT, JT Miller got a vote somehow. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, probably because of Vancouver, his body <laughs> voted for him. Like, what are we doing here? Pump up your own guys. I guess All we right. got to give votes for next year, huh? Well, you know what? Make Not him mad. You know what I mean? Yep. Make him mad so he can really go for it. Yep, yep. Up his game. Yeah, give him a little extra juice. All right. Next time you see us, boys and girls, we'll be for the live Draft show, Wednesday night. Man, this is going to be fun. Just the first round on Wednesday. I think they continue the draft on Thursday. Um, but, yeah, Flyers will have two picks. We think maybe three, maybe one. We don't know. Seven and 22, if you've been hearing, as you've been hearing for the last couple months. Going to be a good night. Uh, if you guys are looking for something to do, having a little thing at my house, uh, feel free to come over. We'll supply – Food and uh, drinks, uh, beer, or BYOB if you want. 
we'll be doing a, maybe a raffle for some jerseys. So bring a couple bucks, you know, and uh, maybe win a jersey or something like that. Uh, yeah, DM me or, or Jack or Travis for, for directions or an address. Jack's going to be there. Travis has other plans. <gasps> Unfortunately. Yeah, tough, tough. I can I probably some... swing by. Are you going to? Are you going to do a party the entire draft? Are you kicking people out after the Flyers pick? What's what's the plan? I'll probably do it to the end of the first round. Okay, I'll try to swing by. Yeah, that'd be a couple hours. We right? had a question in the comments about if we're doing a what we Teddy. Do. Well, I'm sorry, Ted. Teddy I've never seen game. the Ted on here before, so this is a new one. The Ted. Will you guys be live draft night? Yeah, we're going to do a live show. Um, the 2019 one went off so great. You know, oh, we're man. going to bring the magic back. It should be fun. So it's a live show, but you can also come to gyms and hang out and watch with us. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Maybe you want to do a spot on the show, bring in (laughs) something. We'll make it fun. We'll find a way. That's our motto. Uh, Any last final thoughts, Jack and Trap, before we put a bow on this one? Hoping for a fun week. Hoping that we can get Michkov at 7. Simashev at 22, and hopefully they trade Sanheim to Winnipeg. And, Get this out of here. And Kevin Hayes to the Blues, I guess. I agree. I couldn't agree that. more. Get it done, Danny. He's working on it. Uh, okay, one last time, boys and girls, give us a subscribe and a follow. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Make sure to turn on your alerts so you're reminded to watch us every week. Don't forget to head on over to HW Hockey. Net or find all of our social media links in one place at hoo.be forward slash hockey. As always, HW fam, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be back Wednesday. See you then. <laughs>